I know there's so many stories. We had a, um, a kind of a testimony night a couple months ago, didn't we? A thankful, thankfulness evening, just looking at what God had done in lockdown and in the past couple of years. So we got, it, we got a few extra, and I'm sure there's so many more. So and if you have more, please come and tell me. We can maybe share them at another time. But uh, this summer, God um, kind of highlighted a scripture for me, and it was in Second Chronicles. And it was, the eye of the Lord is constantly roaming throughout the earth to seek hearts, to seek to strengthen hearts who are fully committed to him. And I just thought that's amazing that God's eyes are constantly looking throughout the earth, looking for hearts that he can strengthen. And the next two stories are a bit like that. They're stories of how um, God used people to stand in the gap and help other people and how God's eyes were just roaming the earth and saying, right, that one, I'm going to strengthen that heart. So for this first one, I've got to go down here with you because it's Lynette. You think you can come up, Lynette, or do you want me to come to you? Yeah, okay. So Lynette has been struggling a bit with her leg. She's waiting on an operation, haven't you? Um, I'll just share this mic. Okay. So tell us briefly what What's happening? You've been waiting on an operation for how long? Uh, yeah, I've been waiting on an operation now for um, 18 months. I was due to go in for surgery the week of lockdown, um, the first lockdown. Um, and then I've, um, I've been told by the consultant that I'm not to walk on it, not to drive. Um, I have to sit with my leg raised for 90% of the day. So all through lockdown, it's been incredibly difficult. But... In January, or December, yeah, uh, just the day after Boxing Day, it was made a million percent worse because I got COVID, and I got it incredibly badly. Um, paramedics came around a couple of times. Um, live on my own, and being disabled, it was just a nightmare. One day I was sitting there, and one of the, the hardest things to deal with was the lethargy, where I couldn't stand, I couldn't get up, I couldn't do anything and I was sitting in my chair and I was saying Lord I am so so thirsty I'm just so thirsty and I don't have the energy or I have no way of standing up and going to the kitchen to make a cup of tea there's nothing I can do about it so I sat there feeling really sorry for myself um, with that it couldn't have been any more than three minutes four minutes later the doorbell went I was really irritated because it meant that I had to stand up. I had to go and answer the door. So I hobbled out there, and I'm looking at this guy, and he's standing there with a brown paper bag. And again, I'm getting irritated, thinking, you've got me up, and you don't, it's not even for me. So he said, Miss um, Marshall? Um, yes. I said, I haven't ordered anything. He said, I've got the right address. And he looked on the door, and he said, yes. He said, this is for you. So I said, I haven't ordered anything. In the brown paper bag was a cup of tea and a croissant. And all through this 18 months, there's been many times that I've questioned, where, where are you? Why is all this happening? You know, I, oh, woe is me big time. You know, I couldn't get up, I couldn't do anything. Um, and if it wasn't for the church family, seriously, I'd have been in dire straits. Um, but he, it's just, he just reminds me every single time that I'm thinking, oh, no, oh, not again. Another delay, another delay, another delay. 
and I just keep thinking back. I've never found out who sent me that cup of tea. No idea at all. Nobody's ever owned up. Nobody's ever asked me if I received a cup of tea and, and a croissant and a chocolate croissant. <laughs> Um, but another thing I just want to say quickly before, um, before I hand you back the mic is uh, a couple of weeks ago there was a shooting in Keyham and I've been waiting for a mobility scooter just so I can get out of the house and my son said to me, yeah that's fine mum, I'll pick it up um, and I'll bring it down to you, leave work up as five, by the time I pick it up I'll be to you at six and I'd completely run out of milk, I didn't have enough for a cup of tea so my plan Right, Ben's going to get there at six o'clock. That's great. I'm going to get right on the mobility scooter, go up to Little, get me milk, come back, make a cup of tea. I waited, and he didn't turn up. I then had a phone call from my granddaughter saying, you're not outside, are you? So I said, well, no. She then told me what had occurred with the shooting. If, if he had turned up at six o'clock, at seven minutes past six, because I've timed it, I would have been outside of little exactly where he was at that moment so if anybody is doubting at any time at all in your life whether God has got his hand on you and he's watching you and he knows what is good for you and he knows the best and I hold on to for I know the plans I have for you and I add and you haven't finished yet <laughs> amen. Amen. amen that's amazing Cups of tea seem to feature quite strongly in your life. Yes, yes. Shall we pray for Lynette, just uh, for this operation and leg and everything? Let's all pray for her, okay? Father, we thank you for, Lynette. We, for Lynette. We thank you for her faithfulness. We thank you how much she loves you. Father, we thank you so much for your provision and your care in this time. We thank you. We've seen it over and over again, even down to a cup of tea. Father God, and I just pray that you would touch Lynette now, that you would heal her body, Lord God. We pray that you'd speed things along. We know the NHS are, are strapped and struggling, and we pray that you'd bless them as well, Lord God. We just pray that this operation would come around much quicker than Lynette thinks it will. And we pray in the meantime for your healing touch, Lord God. However you choose to heal her, Lord God, we trust in that. But we pray that you'd do it, and we pray that you'd do it quick. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lynette. Thank you. Um, Shahani? So, um, isn't that amazing how God just cares so much for us that he sends us a cup of tea and a chocolate croissant? So, we got Shahani now coming up. Most of you probably know her. Shall we give her a hand? So, Shahani, you're, you're used to speaking. You've done a few little talks, haven't you? Yes. So where are you, you and your family from? We are from Sri Lanka. And what are you doing over here? Well, we came to the UK as asylum seekers in 2017. So it's been 14 years. 2007. Seven. Seven, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> um, so 14 years, 17 no, four, 14, 14 years. years, my maths, right? Um, and you got your asylum paper, you got your paper straight away, didn't you? No, <laughs> it didn't work out like that. So, um, yeah, from 2007 to 2019, it was incredibly diff 
difficult for us. So when you're an asylum seeker in the UK, you get £37.50 a week to live on and you have to go wherever the Home Office sends you. So you've got to live in home accommodation, you're not allowed to work, you're not allowed to pursue higher studies or anything like that. So you're kind of in isolation. So it was really difficult, but we were lucky because we were children, me and my brother, so we were able to go to school. So that felt really normal, but everything else was not normal at all. No, you've li been living a type of isolation for a long time, haven't yeah. you? And then finally in 2019, there was a bit of a breakthrough with the paperwork, wasn't there? Yeah, so, it didn't, so we didn't get refugee status, but the Home Office granted me and my brother two and a half years of visa on the basis that we've been living in the UK for over half of my life. So that was a massive breakthrough because we had been waiting for so long and that meant that I could finally work and I thought I could finally study. So I did really well at school and I always wanted to be a doctor ever since I was young and that, that was my dream and I completed my A-levels in 2016. Um, but I had to watch all my friends go off to university because I was not able to. Um, when you're an asylum seeker, you can't go to university. You have to, um, you're not eligible for student finance or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, that was quite depressing. But when I was granted the two and a half years, I thought, okay, this is, this is big. I'm going to apply to university and I'm going to go. Um, but um, it wasn't like that because I found out that I was not eligible for student finance, even with the two and a half year um, visa. So that meant that if I were to go to university, I'll have to fully fund my tuition fees. And that's not as a home student, as an international student. So that would be £18,000 a year. But I just knew God was going to open a door for me. I just knew it. And I just said, okay, God, I'm going to take one step at a time. I'm going to apply to medical school. And as most of you know, it's not easy to get into medical school. It's ever so competitive. Uh, but I thought, okay. Let me try. So I did, and um, I think they had thousands of applicants um, that year, and I got an interview, and I also got my place. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> so um, I'm going into my second year of medical school tomorrow, actually. So <laughs> it's a miracle. But you didn't have money to pay for it, did you? So what happened I didn't. with that? So I knew. Okay, I was thinking, God, you opened this door for me. Um, and you gave me this place, and I know that when God opens the door for you, no one can shut it. So I was just hanging on to that word, and I was just praying, and we had our lovely community group who were so supportive, and all our church family, everyone was praying. And I just had this idea to go on Google and look for scholarships. And so I did. I applied to thousands, <laughs> lots of it, um, and they all rejected me. Of course, they're not going to fund someone for five years of their tuition, so yeah, that's fine. But I applied to one that, um, that is really, really competitive. So they offer a scholarship for two medical students in the UK. And I thought, okay, I'm going to apply to that one. <laughs> and I did. Um, I didn't think I'd get in, but I just thought it's worth a chance. And I just knew something in me just said, God's going to do it for you. And um, I did, and uh, they said they had 400 applicants that, that year for that scholarship. <laughs> and uh, I applied, I got an interview, and I got the scholarship. <laughs> yes. God is so good. 
So I am one of the two people in the UK to get a fully funded uh, scholarship to attend medical school in the UK. Yes. Amazing, amazing. So of course, so because your paperwork came through, um, you were going to get booted out of your accommodation because it was government accommodation, and because you were because of your status and all that, um, you needed to go into rented accommodation, didn't you? And that wasn't that easy, was it? No. So um, my mom was finally granted refugee status in June. Um, and so we came to the UK um, because we were escaping persecution in Sri Lanka. Um, so the Home Office finally accepted that. There's um, lots of issues going on in Sri Lanka. So that was all really good news um, for mom and us, but we had 28 days to leave our little flat and to find a new home. And we, we thought, oh, it'd be really easy to find a place, no problem, but it wasn't like that. Finding a house was ever, ever so difficult, especially because of how competitive the rental market was. Um, so we had till 11th of um, August, to find a place. We went to lots of viewings. No one would offer us a home um, because mom was on support and it's only me and Callum who are working. Um, they wanted some three people who were working, so it was just very, very difficult. And I was just breaking down because we needed a home urgently and we had nowhere to go. And I think it was the 8th of August. We had to leave on the 11th. We were still waiting for a house, and uh, just one day I get a call from Jeff and Liz Screeton from church. Um, they said, oh, Beth and got in touch, and um, her friend has a three-bed flat. I don't know if it's available, but do you want to go and have a look? And so we got up, and we went to see it, and um, obviously three people had put applications in for that flat, and um, it was about to go. Uh, but the landlord, he heard our story and got to know us a little bit just while chatting. And when we were just about to leave, he just said, you know what, you guys can have it. Um, it's yours. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Yeah. It is. God really came through there, didn't he? Last minute. Last minute, Last minute yes. but, uh, but it happened. So that's amazing. Isn't that amazing how God has, has, God has done that? Shall we pray for um, Shahani and, and Nim and Callum as well for the, the final paperwork to come through? And, and Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness, your goodness that runs after us. We thank you that your eyes were looking and they found Shahani and Nim and Callum and they st you've strengthened their hearts, Lord God. We thank you that you are faithful and I just pray, Father God, that you would continue to bless them. We pray that this paperwork that's um, um, gonna be reviewed in December again, Lord God, that you would make a way where sometimes it seems there is no way. We pray that you give them the status that they need, Lord God. We thank you for your provision in every sense of the word. Thank you for that. Thank you, thank you for your people, Lord God, who have stood in the gap and, and helped and, and, and came forward, Lord. We pray for your protection over Nim, Shahani, and Callum as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Shahani. Thank you. So that's encouraging, isn't it? God can make a way that where there is no way. So uh, Julie's going to come and, and share a little bit 
from the word for us. Shall we? I know you're a bit tired, but let's give her another welcome. all right it's going to be short short and to the point and very simple so it's not complicated um yeah so we've been talking about that the gap we're in and we're in this kind of weird place aren't we um post pandemic are we post pandemic or um you know do we wear masks don't we wear masks we're in this kind of gap place where we're we're stepping out of what we've been in the lockdowns and all that kind of stuff um but we don't quite know where we're landing. It's a bit like those old um, tube stations, you know, where you've, you've got the train doesn't quite meet the, the platform and they say, mind the gap. And we're in this kind of strange gap at the moment. And that's not really a comfortable kind of gap to be in. But I want to, uh, I want to encourage us about a gap um, that I see that we're in, which is a really positive gap um, as we kind of leave the summer behind and we get we refocus and we come back together uh, in a, a more tangible way as the church in person uh, so what's the gap and how can we stand in it well well we're in this I believe an amazing time in history um, between when Jesus came to earth to um, you know with his mission to restore us to God the Father, and between him coming again, where he's going to come back for a bride, and he's going to lead us into eternity, that restored eternity with, with God our Father. And it, it kind of sounds like a fairy tale, but it's in the Bible. That's the story of the Bible. Um, and I, I personally believe we're in the best possible times we could be in because I, th I think about the Old Testament and I think about the fact that it felt like it was God's, God's nature wasn't quite so clear to people. It was almost like you were looking at God through cataracts, that it wasn't quite so easy to work out who God was. But, but when Jesus came in the flesh, um, the revelation of God's nature became really, really clear, crystal clear. And it was very clear that God the Father loved us passionately, intentionally, and that God the Son was willing to come and to dwell amongst us and be with us. And that was his choice. And the, the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus are all the evidence and proof we need to know that, that our Father God is full of love and tender mercy towards us. He's literally, as Tim Keller often says, moved heaven and earth to be with us. And uh, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. We sing that song, don't we? God chooses to be with us. So, so as Christians, those of us who are Christians, we have... I would say an empowered mandate. That's we're not doing it on our own. Between now and when Christ comes again, to live in the revelation of this extravagant love we've been given and we've been singing about tonight, and to show that extravagant love to others. But that's not the only gap we're in. There's there's another gap we're in. Not just the gap between when Jesus came and when He's returning. Um, but 
this is the gap that I'd like us to really think about tonight. And it's, it's the gap between our relationship with our Father God and our relationship with others. And how can we stand in that gap well? Well, the Bible tells us we're a royal priesthood. Um, we know in the Old Testament that the priests... Uh, we're there to, to kind of bring reconciliation between God and man through sacrifices. And we're not called to do that. We're not called to make sacrifices because Jesus has done that. He's made the ultimate sacrifice with his own body, with his own life. So we, our job really is just to show Jesus to the world that we live in. And this gap, as I said, reaches in two directions. We get to touch God we get to respond to his love. We get to be empowered by his Holy Spirit. And then we get to reach out to others um, with that love that God has given to us. And we've, we've had our eyes opened to the gospel. But many people around us, as we know, are blind to that. And Paul tells the Corinthians that the God of this age which is Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see, they literally cannot see the light of the gospel. The light of the gospel, by the way, is in you and me. I've had this song in my head since I heard my granddaughter singing it and it's been irritating me because I can't get it out of my head. But actually I think it's a deep theological truth. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Now that will be ringing in your head, hopefully when you go home. That's the plan. So... The gospel is more than our words. It is actually the word living in us, shining out of us. Um, and, you know, we've been talking tonight about people showing God's love to others. So, shining ones, <laughs> we can reach out to God um, and reach out to the people around us, our friends and our families. And we can pray for them. And one thing we can pray is that their eyes might be opened to the message of the gospel because they're blind at the moment. So we need to pray. We need to reach into God and we need to reach out to people. But in reaching into God, we're, we're praying for them. I don't know about you, but I heard the gospel many times before I responded to it. And that's because I was blinded and because my heart was shut but people were praying for me. So part of what we do in standing in this gap is to stand in the gap in prayer, reaching into God. And we can do that knowing the Bible says it's, it's not his will that any should perish. So it's no problem reaching into God. Um, and on the other side, we're reaching out to these people that God has placed us amongst and letting our light shine through actions and words. One thing I want to make really clear is it's not our job to get people saved. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But our responsibility 
is to take the opportunities that the Holy Spirit gives us, whether that's in prayer or whether that's with other people, to show and to share the good news and to, uh, to live as ambassadors in a way that causes us to shine and that our genuine faith is attractive to those around us. When I was a new Christian um, in, in another fellowship in the city, we used to have an evangelism team. We used to go into town. I think it was once a fortnight on a Saturday morning. We used to go around and just share the gospel with people. And it was great fun. But there was this one guy in our group, and he was just intense. And if we'd come back and we hadn't led somebody to the Lord, he was, oh, we failed. But, you know, he'd missed the point because it's not about you getting somebody saved. It's just about you being willing to share. Um, and, you know, we don't do that on our own. We're actually part of a team. We're part of a team here at PCC. We're part of a team in our city with all the other churches, many of them doing Alpha and other forms of outreach. We're part of a national team. We're part of a global team. We're even part of an eternal team. Do you ever think about the people who've gone before you, maybe people you've never met who may have prayed for their great-grandchildren or their great-great-grandchildren. There may be people who've prayed into your life, and that's why you're here right now. So, uh, yeah, Paul said to the um, Corinthians, he said, I planted the seed, Apollos watered the seed, but God has been making the seed grow. And that's the perspective we need to have when we're reaching the lost. We're part of God's team, and he's like, you know, the conductor, and we're the orchestra, and we all get to play our part. Um, Alpha, we've been talking about tonight, is obviously, it's one way that people can hear the gospel, but it's not the only way. But I was thinking about Alpha, and even the Alpha course in itself is part of a bigger process, because it relies on Christians who have befriended people, who've prayed for them, who've loved them, and then they've invited them to Alpha. So Alpha's just one small part of somebody's journey to faith. And we have a great opportunity to invite people to Alpha this term. And we're not limited um, locally. We, we can ask anybody. You can literally ask anyone in the world. You literally can. You can ask your family members, you can put it on Instagram, you can put it on Facebook, you can ask your friends at school, anybody you like, you can ask. And again, I want you to recognize that it's not about you asking and people saying yes, that's not the success. And to illustrate that, I'd love to tell you a story which um, I heard many, many years ago and I thought was brilliant. And it was, uh, I heard it on one of the HTB podcasts, they were talking about Alpha, and this guy um, from HTB had been really nervous in his workplace, and he had this one friend, this Chinese guy that he really wanted to invite to Alpha, but he was very, very nervous. Anyway, he spotted him at the photocopier, and uh, he made a beeline for him with his little invitation card, and he got into the, the photocopier room, and he said to this guy... Um, kind of mumbling quickly, have you ever thought about doing an alpha course? And this friend replied to him, what's an alpha course? 
by this time, the guy was perspiring and he was feeling very uncomfortable. He was thinking, I've got to get out of this confined space quickly. So he thrust the card in, in his friend's hand and he said, uh, it's a short course uh, exploring the Christian faith. Um, and his friend looked at him and he said, no. And so this guy walked away really deflated and discouraged and feeling embarrassed. But that wasn't the end of the story. So the story he told was that a little while later, he heard his Chinese friends say that he'd been talking to his sister in China. And his sister was really, really low. And he didn't know what to say to her. So this Chinese guy who'd refused the Alpha course said to his sister, have you thought about doing an Alpha course? <laughs> and she said, what's an Alpha course? And he said, oh, it's a short course um, exploring the Christian faith. Do you know what? His sister did the Alpha course, and she got saved. <laughs> and then she invited other members of the family back in China, and they did Alpha, and they got saved. And we don't know what happened to the guy in the office, but we do know that that, that meeting at the photocopier was a divine appointment. So um, I had a funny uh, incident the other day. I was talking to somebody who I've invited to Alpha before who's refused. And he was telling me about a friend of his who was really low. And he was sort of you know, struggling to know what to say to him. And I said to him, well, you know, my answer's always going to be Jesus. So, um, hey, we're doing an Alpha course on Zoom. Why don't you invite your friend to do our Alpha course? Because he doesn't have to live in Plymouth to do it. So this guy was a bit embarrassed. He said, well, I can't really invite somebody to an Alpha course when I haven't done an Alpha course myself. I said, sure you can. And then I told him that story. So uh, I was thinking as I was sat down this morning, I was sat between um, Tina and Debbie. And I was thinking about these two lovely women who, who came into my life, not as Christians, but you know, came to faith and they're precious parts of my community group. Um, but I, I didn't invite either of them to Alpha. Um, Tina was invited to Alpha by her friend Catherine, and Catherine was invited to Alpha by me. So, you know, it's like this chain, isn't it, that you're involved in. Debbie, on the other hand, was invited to Alpha by her friend who wasn't a Christian, but had heard me give a testimony and decided that Debbie needed to hear my testimony. So she invited, in fact, she brought her to Alpha. So we've got a lot of teamwork going on here. So I want you to be, I want you to be brave. I want you to be really encouraged um, that you and I are part of something much bigger and we may get to play a small part and we may see the fruit of that or we may not. But let's... Uh, Let's be asking God for divine encounters with people. And let's stand confidently in this gap because God has placed us there. So we're reaching out on both sides. We're reaching into God. We're reaching out to him in prayer. We're reaching out for his Holy Spirit. And then we're reaching out to others and letting our light shine. And we can be part of this citywide, global, multi-generational um, force to see uh, God's kingdom come. So Rachel's going to come and uh, lead us um, in some worship while we, we just wait on God. I'd love us to pray together and um, 
I'd like, to, I'd like you to think about some of the people that maybe God has used you in their life in some way. Maybe that you've led them to Christ or maybe that you've just done something for them that you know was a kind deed. Um, but there may be many people in your life that you've touched or there may be just a few. But just, just have a think about those people that you've already God has somehow used you in their lives. And so just, just stop for a moment. Just give thanks for the times where you know you've stood in the gap, where you've prayed or you've reached out in love. Just have a think about those people and just give thanks to God for what he did and how he used you. Let's do that for a moment. Okay, so now I want you to hand those people over to God because those are opportunities that he's given you and they're, they're gone. But I want you to look forward. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to visualize and it might just be a blob of people. I want you to visualize in your mind's eye all the people that God wants to send your way. All the people that God wants you to interact with, you to shine something of him into their lives in the future. And it might be that God actually puts faces as you do that. Or it might be that you just see that there will be people. But I want you to have your eyes opened to the opportunities that you're going to have. Because God wants to use you. He's, he's in you. By his spirit, he wants to guide your steps. He wants to nudge you like he did the person who um, sent that cup of tea to Lynette. He wants to use you. And there are many people whose lives he wants to impact through you. And some of them you'll know about. Some of them you won't know maybe till eternity the impact that your love has had on their lives. So let's just ask God to envision us going forward and even to give us specific people. Father, we just thank you that you have called us to shine as lights in dark places. And Lord, we want to bring these future divine encounters to you, these divine appointments. We want to bring them to you, Lord, and we want to join in with what you are doing. We want to partner with you, as Jeff was speaking about this morning. We want to see your kingdom come. We want to see heaven touch earth. And whether that's doing a kind deed for somebody, or whether it's inviting them to Alpha, or whether it's sharing the gospel, whether it's praying for them, we pray, Lord, that you would fill us with your spirit. Because without your spirit, Lord... We're 
We just don't have anything to offer. We know that your spirit is in us, is with us. We do pray tonight for a fresh filling of your spirit. Maybe you'd like to stand. Just wonder, could we sing Spirit of the Living God? Just fall afresh in us. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit to fill us. You know, Mike gave a word this morning about lights and he saw these these lights um, in the darkness and they were like those solar lights that they gradually come on as as it gets darker they get lighter but there were a few that were a bit kind of flickery and and just weren't responding and he felt that there were you know some people who maybe they they had shined brighter but some things had happened and they they felt desensitized to the Holy Spirit, and um, that's okay if that's you. Just say, God, that's me, and ask him. Ask him to come afresh and to fill you afresh, to fill you with fresh faith and fresh desire and fresh expectation that he wants to use you. So let's, let's sing this song together.